This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by the Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to thebeanbastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to the Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show. People say you have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. This rings true because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. It's really hard. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and this episode's guest is Sean Z, uh, vocalist for Death, formerly of uh, Chimera, also of Synesthesium, a uh, project that he was doing with Joey Jordanson, formerly of Slipknot, uh, another band Vented, so many bands, so many bands, uh, probably too many to actually run down the list of what he has done. Uh, this was a really, really great chat. It's really fucking heavy. Uh, about an hour in, 45 minutes in or so, it kind of takes a turn and, and we, we just get really fucking real and honest. And it's it's interesting when that happens. You know, I had, I had messaged Sean when we were done, you know, thanking him for his time again and, and kind of just, you know, the uh, vulnerability of uh, what we discuss and was one of those things where, you know, I, I had made the mention that, you know, I was like, I've been wanting to have you on the show for quite a while, but I just, I never reached out. And I don't know, you know, I was always like, oh, he, he's not going to want to do this or whatever. And, you know, when I asked him and he agreed, uh, it, the turnaround to get it done was just so fast. I think it literally was like, I asked him and then we were doing it like two days later. Um, but I had made the comment to him about how I was like, you know, I feel like this was meant to happen now. Um, and we were supposed to have this conversation when we were because of, I guess, needing to be there and to kind of talk through some of the things that we do together. And it's weird. Uh, it's weird that this is the episode that I'm dropping this week. Um, you know, I kind of pre-plan what episodes are going to drop when and in what order. And this was one where, you know, I had the episodes done that I have already posted. And this was the next logical one to come out based on where I had it lined up. And it's weird because, you know, with the heaviness of some of the things we talk about of, you know, some of the issues I've been having with my own family, uh, with Sean, with, uh, you know, some, some of the stuff he was going through with his brother at the time, um, therapy and the, the, the supernatural uh, world and, and so forth. Um, 
it just has been kind of interesting. Um, as of when I'm recording this, I found out yesterday that uh, an old friend of mine passed away. Um, I was, my wife literally woke me up to, to tell me this uh, before you know I turned on my phone and, and presumably got the the text messages and the DMs and everything that I, that I received. Um, and it was weird. It was it was a very weird. Um, it's a very weird circumstance. Um, this person, my friend DJ, I met him shortly after, right around the time of graduating high school, and was someone that I spent literally almost every single day with for for a few years, and would talk all the time. And you know, we lived together a few different times. Uh, you know, moved out here to Grand Rapids together. And was one of those things where, you know, it was kind of this weird disconnect, you know, like once he moved back home to Kalamazoo and I stayed out here and, you know, he kind of started getting his tattooing career going and, you know, his kids and family and all this other stuff, you know, like essentially life just kind of happened. Um, and we, we didn't really remain in contact for a little while. And... I would honestly say it's probably been a good seven, eight years since I since I had really talked to him last. And, you know, I was kind of holding on to a little bit of a, a grudge from the, the kind of fallout we had uh, when we lived together. And it's just this weird thing where, you know, I woke up and I literally had about 30 minutes before I had to do an interview. And I didn't have much time really to kind of process things. And then, you know, be ready for this interview. And then when I was done with the interview, I had to go to work. And so it was a lot of like I had things to do to kind of occupy my mind. And then I had to work at the bar last night. And the bar is is one of those that when it's kind of when you're working door to bar, a lot of times you're just kind of in this like weird space of, of almost absence of time. Uh, time kind of goes really slow because you're not doing anything really. You're checking IDs when people come in. If the bar is at capacity, then that's pretty much it. You're just telling people, Hey, you can't come in. And so I kind of had the, the time to process what I was, what I've been thinking about and some of the, the things that had kind of presented themselves to me. And in kind of a weird sense, you know, it's, it's really kind of yesterday was uh, spent kind of reconnecting with, uh, other older friends that I haven't necessarily talked to in a little while and, and kind of reminiscing about, you know, our friend passing. And uh, y you do the thing when you're almost 40 now where you start going like, oh, what was it? Oh, you know, I think it was heart-related. Ah, oh, fuck, yeah, I should probably, you know, start. <laughs> I could probably stand to lose some weight. I could probably go work out. I should, you know, quit smoking cigarettes or whatever. Um, and then you kind of just fall into this this thing where you kind of start sharing memories. Um and it was one where I think the weirdest thing about this is since this person hasn't really been in my life in any capacity for a, for many years, it's almost this weird disconnect where it feels like the news and the stories and everything that I'm seeing from other friends, it's almost like it, I already had already lost him because like he wasn't a part of my life. But at the same time, like it's weird because you know he was such a huge part of my life for for many years. Uh, many of my formative years, you know, getting out of high school and growing up and kind of figuring out who you are as a person. And it's it's been weird. And I think, you know, I, I kind of kept thinking about how social media is weird because some of the people that are reaching out to me knew obviously that we were friends, but I was like, oh, it kind of speaks to the relationship this person and I may have that's reaching out to me 
in the sense that, you know, they don't know that we're not really friends, uh, quote unquote, anymore. Um, and it was a weird thing where I kind of started thinking about how social media, especially when there's a, a passing, um, that it's not, it's kind of not real in that sense either. Because, yeah, they're gone, but social media isn't real. And I just kind of kept thinking about how how weird this this just feels. It, like I said, there's just this disconnect. And I'm sure as I, I think about it more and, and I have time to kind of uh, get with some friends soon and, and kind of uh, remember our friend, that maybe it'll kind of feel like a normal death and, and like the loss, the sense of loss will kind of start kicking in uh, and, I'll, and I'll feel these things. But currently I'm just kind of in this weird, almost numbed state where it's like, I haven't talked to this person. It's almost like, someone you met once and then you're like, Oh, you remember that person? Well, they're not here anymore. And you're like, Oh, okay. But then I kind of thought more to the fact that I think it's because the other people that I've been close with that have passed away in the last couple of years, I literally talked to them like a day or in some instances days before they passed. So there's a lot more of the, um, instant reaction kind of, of like, I was just talking to this person. And I think that's the hardest part with that is like when you're like, oh my God, I just had a conversation and I wished the last thing I said was something more than talking about fucking, you know, the Packers or the Lions or something or uh, talking about algorithms on social media. Um, you know, you want there to be your last relationship or your last communication, I should say, to have more merit, to have more value, uh, to to be impactful. And a lot of times it's not, you know, I think we, we often see in these movies, you know, the last moments with someone, it's, it's so romanticized that something profound is going to come out. You're going to reveal all the life secrets in this moment. And that's, it's not really how it is. It hardly ever is fucking that because no one knows when they're going to die. And I feel like that's kind of, uh, I think what's causing the other big disconnect for me is I, I didn't have a conversation with this person anytime soon. So it, it's kind of like, yeah, the last time I spoke to him was blank amount of years ago. And we talked about, you know, I don't even remember. Like that's how insignificant the conversation was. I don't even remember what it was that we talked about uh, when we last spoke. But in a sense, I feel like maybe, maybe that's the hard part with this too, is, is, you know, the, the, they always say when you're going through, uh, a loss or whatever, you know, there's the stages of grief and there's kind of the, you know, the denial, uh, the bargaining, uh, acceptance. Uh, I forget what some of the other stages are. I should probably look that up and know that since I reference it somewhat frequently. But it is one of those things where I feel like right now I'm just kind of, I'm almost at like the anger stage because like I'm still, I still kind of have those same feelings of, of kind of what caused the friendship to kind of come to an end sort of. And in my thinking over the last, you know, 24 hours, I've just really fucking tried to try to start letting that go. Um, I, I know that it obviously is going to have a bigger shift and impact on me as one of the first things I started thinking about was other friends who I haven't really been in communication with as much as I'd like to and that I need to at least send a text or do these things because the one thing I did kind of realize is, you know, with my old friends that I grew up with, like, we're able to fall into our old relationships just like that. 
And the hardest part, I think, right now that I, I, I kind of, when I think about it, it makes me upset, is that it's like, I don't even have the opportunity at this point to say, I'm sorry I let all this time go by. And I think that's the hardest part, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the past grudges I've had with friends, you know, I, we've been able to move on through it. And, and sadly it always takes a death of a friend or, or something tragic kind of happening in our lives to kind of reach that conclusion. And I think that's the biggest bummer that I, I am kind of experiencing is that I, I didn't, and I won't have the opportunity to, to kind of make those amends. Um, so, I didn't necessarily mean to uh, to kind of make this be a big bummer, uh, especially two episodes in a row. Um, usually, I don't try to make these super long, um, but like I said, this is this is kind of a platform for me too, man. Uh, and I kind of want to get some shit out as well. Uh, maybe by doing this, like I said, you'll you'll kind of get to know more about me and, and my thoughts on things, uh, whether they're valid or whatever. But it is. Something I've been thinking about, and like I said, it's just serendipitous kind of that this is the episode with Sean Z, where we go really fucking deep on some personal shit too. So it's almost befitting um, that that's that this is the one I'm doing it on. So without further ado, this is my chat with Sean Z. I'll talk to you all on the other side of it. <laughs> tried really hard not texting anyone I know that's playing the thing and being like, have you heard anything? Because um, I feel like that would just be in, in poor form. So I have refrained from doing that, but uh, I have been setting like just the like, because uh, I saw like Chris from Poison the Well uh, posted the other day or yesterday, I think that he was at the airport <clears throat> with all of his like drum shit. And I was like, that'll be me in like two days, except for I will be having clothes and not drunk yeah, yeah, but i'll still see you when you show up somewhere uh hopefully in Buffalo. imagine having to bring your drums to a show like, i just don't understand how everyone hasn't like wouldn't you would think it would almost be more acceptable at this point now with uh the same kind of programming and uh plugins and such that if someone just showed up with like an electronic drum kit like you wouldn't fault them you're like oh i get it that's probably way easier for you to travel with <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> can you guys just uh get me a backline of uh whatever your local guitar center uh drum kit has and i have all the plugins like it's the only thing i can think of that would be comparable for like guitar players and everyone having the uh axe effects and the uh um oh, what the fuck are the other ones called um the fr- uh firm uh i know what you're talking about fuck uh, and li- ev- literally everyone's got one so i can't yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the um, uh, not x effect but it's literally uh, the same exact thing it, but the opposite yeah yeah it's uh god kempers the kempers kemper yep kemper yep that's the like, kemper a bitch, i can yep. see it it looks it looks yeah. not very impressive but like that was the thing too is like talking to a bunch of my guitar playing friends because uh in the last like during the pandemic i decided to buy the head that's literally right behind me and I'd been putting off buying, like putting together a full like 
setup because I'm like, I just play in my house. So I don't really need anything. And yeah. Then, like, I ended up getting some Fishman's put into a guitar of mine. Uh, nice. And Ken kind of was talking me into a couple. And then uh, my friend. Well, yeah, he, he worked there. Of course he was. <laughs> well, yeah. And, that was the thing. and then, like, the funniest part was uh, he was like, oh, I could get you, like, an artist deal. And I was like, dude, I, like, I would be the shittiest player on the roster. Like, people would probably, like, probably not advertised anywhere, but. It was one of those where I was like, the fact that like he would be willing to hook me up with an artist deal, like for pricing anyway, I was just yeah, like, yeah. that would be so fucking funny. And then when people were like, man, you got a lot of Fishman's, I'd be like, yes, I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm an actually, I'm an endorsed artist. <laughs> yeah. Like, actually, I almost was like, I wonder, you know, because like now you're starting to see, you know, like Twitch players and stuff like that. And, you know, they're starting to get. Uh, as I literally said, Twitch, someone just, uh, I got a notification that someone's on Twitch, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, big brothers listening. Um, but it was one of those things where it, I feel like the, the market kind of is open that if you have some sort of a platform now, I, I don't even necessarily know that it matters that you are the best player, but if you have a platform, I could, I do kind of feel like if I got the show back up to where it used to be numbers wise before, as I learned in the last couple of like the last year that uh, iTunes and a lot of them now have music interviews before it just yeah. was music and yep. you were just yep. under yep. the umbrella yep. of music. So now that I'm on a platform that allows me to be in that category, I'm noticing the numbers starting to dip back up. I guess it's not dip. It's going back up, yeah. but it was yeah. one of those that it's like, I could, I could in theory see if I were to go to a company and be like, Hey, my show is at this level at this point. Uh, I play these things. Like, would you be interested in quote unquote sponsoring? And instead of giving me money or whatever, like I just want product. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's basically the key. I believe <laughs> I just want product. That's it. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I feel like, uh, you know, Joss is always really interested in the whole, if they're using your name, especially like the signature model to sell something and you sell blank amount of, of, uh, guitars, gear, whatever, that you should actually be getting a cut of that. And I think that's a really interesting talking point to me personally, because I kind of agree with them. I do feel like potentially they should, once you're at a certain level and if they're selling the specs that make it yours and people want to buy your thing, you should get a cut of that versus just getting free gear. I thought there were some of them that actually do, depending on you know how big you are or the particular company or whatever your relationship is with them like i thought that some of those would actually allow you to get a small cut but nothing nothing crazy yeah i don't know i i don't know i feel like that's kind of the, the evolution i would assume of of sponsorship from musician to gear company uh and you know and i was actually just this is i guess an interesting talking point you know we know collectively that artists get fucked all the time uh, all the time <laughs> but i just saw it's <laughs> just saw, uh something that said spotify was pulling all these comedy like these comedians albums because they are now going like we should be getting a royalty rate for that because they're saying and i agree that basically once it's committed to an album or whatever and put out that it should almost be under the same rules as basically music that that is your copyrighted material and that you should be paid accordingly per stream on all these like DSPs and so forth. And I was like, I can't believe it. I can't believe I never thought that that wasn't already a thing. I mean, I thought I just would have assumed it was because you make an album and I figured it was the same. Like, right? You, you're still making an album and selling it. I mean, how are you not getting percentages on your sales? That's fucked up. I just, I thought it was crazy too that Spotify 
I don't know if it was at the behest of the the artists or the creatives, but they just straight pulled like Kevin Hart and like all these other things. And I was like, that's fucking wild. But then it's it's one of those where I'm like, I mean, it's been happening to the music industry for forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it has to adapt to it. I mean, but that's uh, that's interesting. I do listen to a lot of comedy, so I guess I hadn't noticed anything disappear right before my eyes. But <laughs> as far as music wise, I have seen some things get pulled. And I guess that's just the artist not happy with how, you know, Spotify is handling their uh, percentage of their cut. I mean, I know it's like pennies. It's literally pennies. Well, I mean, I, I guess it's an interesting, more personal question, if you don't mind talking about it. But like, you know, you just announced that you, you've you got some new material coming out, new band and all that kind of stuff. Is that something that you are paying more attention to is possibly owning your masters or if you're in talks with someone really paying attention to the, the, the contracts and how it states, you know, how you're getting paid out for things like that. Um, you know, to some degree, but I guess it really just depends. Like for instance, like, you know, the vented stuff, I mean, we're actually actively trying to shop it to a label. And I think it's something that I just want people to have that I would almost just sign it away and just put it out there. And, you know, obviously I want my, you know, the, the percentage of the royalties in the publishing, but as far as like how much of a percentage I'm getting from streaming rights, I mean, I don't think that that's really relevant. I mean, I don't plan to ever really make any money from music like that. Um, I think I've just done so much stuff that I just want it to be out there. You know, I just want people to hear it and whatever avenue I have to do to get that. And I guess I'm, I take a different approach to most, um, you know, cause I work a, a full-time job doing something else. So it's like, I don't, I guess the money side of it is, is null and void to me. I just like, Oh, I got a hundred dollar check. Like, cool, whatever. I mean, like, not like, <laughs> not like I'm going to get like a billion streams and be like, well, now I'm, I can quit my job. Cause I'm a musician. Like not in this field, you know, I mean, I feel like it's a pipe dream or you're like one in the, one in a trillion that even gets uh, close to any success, especially like the brutal metal world. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it, it just really depends. Like the particularly this new stuff, I wouldn't be as, worried about it i just really want anything you know i would take any deal you know that kind of thing but like you know if it was one of you know the established bands that i'm in that you know we released something um obviously i think those terms are now renegotiated to where everybody gets a better piece you know because you have a little bit more say so and pull versus like i'm nothing can you just give me a record deal like <laughs> well here's how it's gonna be like yeah okay that's fine i really don't have any say so but yeah i get it <laughs> I guess it's just kind of interesting because, you know, you, you know, listening to someone like Doc or even, you know, Mark and a lot of the people that are from, you know, I'll kind of call it our, our era of, you know, aggressive music, you know, the, the late, the mid nineties to like the early two thousands when a lot of bands were getting signed and are now kind of, you know, here we are 20 some odd years later. And, you know, you guys are kind of the elder statesman of like, we came up and ate all the shit. So all of you kids could like, fucking get your good contracts and understand because we we vocalized that these yep. things weren't on the up and up and how fucked we were getting and to kind of see you know doc just put out a really great episode of his podcast with like mike maury and a lot of insider people you know talking about these kind of smear campaigns sort of on the sites the music sites talking about like well this band fell off and they're they didn't even chart this time and it's like well okay does it matter that a band like trivium didn't chart this time even though they have you know, 20 years of chart, like, you know, top 10 debuting records and they already are established. Does that really matter? Like, I, 
you know, I, I guess seeing it firsthand, it, it kind of does, you know, I mean, the Chimera days, like, you know, towards the end there, obviously m less and less people were interested. And, you know, before anybody quit the band, you could, you know, plainly see that, like when we were touring with them, um, they just didn't have the same draw that they used to have. And then, you know, that really is a, a really good indicator of, the kind of tour support you're going to get and they still base it on those same bullshit numbers and same skewed results it's like oh well you didn't you know sell this many or stream this many so you'll only get you know half of your regular tour support so i don't know i mean i, I guess when you're at that level you just are trying to get on big tours to get your name back out there to be re-relevant again because <laughs> eventually it falls off i mean you know the new generation comes up and you know now you become more like dad metal instead of you know the cool thing and uh, none of the new kids are listening to it, and I think it's staying relevant throughout the entire process is a very, very, very tricky uh, slippery slope for sure. I mean, one hundred percent. It's kind of funny. I was uh, thinking the other day actually because I was kind of cleaning up some stuff in in my basement, and I came across actually one of the last times I had gotten to see Chimera when you guys were in it, and. It was the Unearth tour you guys did. Uh, came yeah, that's here. the exact one. Yeah, <laughs> they came through here in Grand Rapids, and I was like so stoked. I think Skeleton, which was the opening band on that, if I'm not mistaken. That's and amazing. <laughs> it was one of those things where I remember thinking about the show, and it's really weird that like when you like I you know I have a wall of concert tickets right next to me, and it's like I can look at them all and be like, all right, I remember blank from this show, and like looking at that flyer or the poster for the show, I was like. I remember there, it not being very well attended, but the weird thing was, is I felt like there was just such a, a an air of, we don't like collectively on the tour. We don't give a fuck. We're going to have fun regardless. And that was something I hadn't seen from Chimera, like with the original lineup, like it, it always felt very serious. Like there was no fun being had. And oh, that yeah. was the one thing that I, that I took away having seen you guys multiple times with the quote unquote, you know, the last lineup was that it felt like there was actually fun being had. And I was like, I feel like if the old people that were like, well, it's not the original band, so I'm not going, I feel like if they would have gone, they would have been like, Oh my God, it still sounds great. But it's like, you know, Dustin's going crazy. And like all of you guys, like the fact that all of you were smiling on stage most of the time, I was like, that's different. And it feels like this is a fun show to be at instead of everyone being like, yeah, you know, well, yeah, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess that comes with age, but also comes with like the whole attitude and mentality of us getting that band together again and reforming it with a new lineup. It like it, it's it, you know like uh, injected um, a little bit of spirit into the band, you know, because new young guys were coming. You know, we were hungry, and you know, it's uh, oh, sorry, I didn't realize this was on. Uh, yeah, I mean, we were hungry. And, you know, I, at that point, we, we were just having a good time. It was like we were living this dream of we all love this band or uh, it's crazy that we're all in it. And it was just it was just a ride, man. Like we we would be laughing and some of the greatest, funniest moments I think I've ever experienced in my entire life were on some of those tours uh, with Mark and I specifically, man. Like we, we go way back and there was a time when I like you know, if you, if you ever ask him or, you know, anytime we talk about it, it's like the one time we were in the in the bus and everybody was fucking snoring. And we just like we're like it was like we were in high school. I mean, we laughed and laughed and laughed for hours. I, I mean, it, it laughed until our sides hurt. But, you know, I think that's that's a lot of it. Like you, once you lose um, once you're around for a certain amount of time, like the seriousness can't stay. Um, 
you know, unless you're like Slipknot. But even then, they don't even really stay that serious. Now they've like backed off of, well, I'm not going to wear a suit anymore. Now I'm going to wear like shorts. And a, I guess you just, you eventually just like, you know what, dude, fuck this. I've been doing this for too long. You know, let's make, let's make it fun. Um, but when you come out, you make that first impression. I mean, you know, you want to be serious and, you know, people to walk away with their minds blown. And, and I know notoriously, you know, Chimera used to be like very, um, different on stage you know <laughs> very different on stage well i mean <clears throat> i feel like kind of actually going back to like when you were in death like another memory i kind of had was you guys touring with a friend of mine fox and when he was still in or still is technically i guess but and see you next tuesday and just like you know i remember you know him telling stories and when some of those tours would come around here or anywhere near him would go it was it's always kind of interesting being kind of a fan of this genre because it's like you go to some of these smaller quote unquote underground shows and you feel like there's a sense of camaraderie and just this this feeling that you can't really explain really, I guess, unless you go because and you're a part of it. But yeah. the weird thing is, is that's not sustainable for any anything other than the love of what it is. But then no, there seems yeah. to be this this weird disconnect where once you kind of get to this other level where you're, you're kind of actually able to start making it that I don't know if there's been so much of the years before where you're just like, well, that's who I have to be. Is that kind of like guy who ate a bunch of shit and I'm just pissed off at this is owed to me now or whatever, but I, I don't, I don't know. I, I've been trying to figure that out because I feel like as more time has gone, you slipped on is a great one. They were so fucking serious about everything. And I, and I still think they are very serious about their music but I think there's a little bit more humanity that is coming through now in metal and hardcore. And it's, it's like, okay to laugh and, and have a good time and like be honest and sincere about everything that you're going through versus here's the fucking front I put on when I go on stage. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it just depends. Like some music still lends to that, like the whole black metal persona, like you gotta, you know, you're so cult, you know, you've got a thumb of a K and a V, you know, you've just got to like your photos just, on Instagram the other day. <laughs> out <in> the woods. <laughs> exactly, bro. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, I, I think you have to have fun and you have to make fun of yourself. And I don't know, you, you just can't be too serious because then you just really start to lose the love of it. And, and it happened to me too. You know, I became, you know, I just stopped listening to music all together and, I like couldn't stand the, the genre of metal to begin with. And it just, it just kind of turned me off just being in it all the time and just seeing how toxic it was. And, but you know, on the other side of it, the fans are amazing because you'd never see Astro world at a metal show. And if you did, it was definitely an accident um, or something incited by some, you know, that was again, an accident, you know, like I was at uh, Opeth and Mastodon uh, when they came here about two weeks ago and some dude loses his wallet in the pit, and this guy's just like holding up a wallet with his cell phone with a flashlight. Like, whose wallet is this? <laughs> if that was any other show, it'd be like, whoop, I guess I'm taking this, you know? So there's some sort of uh, mutual feeling of love and uh, appreciation for the music, I think, in a metal fest or a metal show. Uh, sorry. And um, it, as it comes across, you know, from the, the artists, like they, the guys were having the best time on stage. You know, Opeth was smiling. You know, I mean, Macedon was being funky. I mean, they've always kind of been like that, but they had their serious moments. But when it was time to laugh, they laughed. And I, I think seeing that leveled, um, like, you you know, you're on the same level as, as people in the crowd. I think they really uh, appreciate that. But no, I mean, um, 
it, it is becoming more big. I think I, I'm seeing more and more guys trying to have more fun on stage instead of just exactly like I'm so stoic. I can't <laughs> ever show my other side. I mean, whatever, man, <laughs> whatever. Something that I find interesting, you, you know, you just kind of said that you had kind of fallen. I don't want to necessarily say out of love of making music or listening to it, but oh no, no, not at all. But just listening to metal that was really okay. it just threw me off. No, man, I mean, I am not. You'd be surprised how many people do go through that though. After a little while, where they're like, I just don't, I don't want to make, I don't want to listen, I just kind of get far away from it. And you're like, that's that's weird. I mean, you get a writer's block and you lose, you know, moods. And I mean, obviously you have a distaste in your mouth because of maybe bad experiences or, you know, tarnished relationships. And you're like, I'm never, never going to touch a guitar again. I mean, I, uh, I used to play guitar. I was a guitar player. I showed up to my first band practice, one of my local bands. And I was like, Hey, I'm here with the guitar. And they're like, well, we already have a guitar player. Can you sing? Um, and then the rest is history. But I don't really play guitar anymore. I played it for years, man, years and years and years. And then I get into a band with Amo and I had actually started picking up the guitar again. And then I put it right back down. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm obviously, I'm never going to be there. So I'm just going to not do that and just stick with the vocal thing. But no, I mean, dude, I've, I've written in the last couple of years. I mean, literally hundreds of songs. It's insane how much music I've actually created. Well, Something I was going to say that I, I find interesting, I feel like there is just this undeniable melting pot of, of styles and sounds that come from people that live in Atlanta. Like, yeah. And I, I would even say it goes the ex like even into hip hop, like, you know, Outkast is one of my favorite groups. Cool. And even as I've been going back more and listening to the record that I thought was the weakest in the catalog, which was Equemini for a while. Oh, that's the dude, that one's amazing. I know, Fuck. I know. Now, now, but I now I you see it, you see it, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, <laughs> there's stuff like that where I see more of the groundwork that was laid for kind of more of the experimentation of like Stankonia. And then, like, once they kind of did the, the Love Below and the Speaker Box record where it was kind of solo records, you kind of could see who did what. But it's it's always been interesting to see to me, like, you know, with that and like Ludacris and some of the other guys out that way, like just how they always incorporate something beyond just what is traditionally known in that scene. And I, you know, you look at a band like Seven Dust, you know, I feel like they have yeah. a lot of different stuff that they do. They're not just a metal band. They're not just a rock band. They're they kind of got a little hip hop bounce to them, a little bit of swagger. And I yeah. feel like that's the one thing that I love about bands from kind of the south and music from the south is it's just it's so eclectic and it's such a melting pot what are some things that you from your time of living there like that you've kind of maybe noticed that allows you to kind of pull from other other places maybe that other people can't tap into i don't want to say can't tap into but i think you know what i'm trying to get to no yeah i mean you're not involved in the culture and i i mean the, the culture here has shifted dramatically obviously i mean i think everywhere it has but you know in the coming up phase you know, it was a lot of hip hop and I still listen to a lot of hip hop and, you know, I take a deep appreciation for it. So um, a lot of the groups uh, like, for instance, um, Sensanum, I mean, other than the vocal style and them liking my voice and, you know, the different pitches and just being a good fit for the music. Um, one reason that they chose me was because of how, like, kind of bouncy I am when I when I uh, I scream, you know, and the stuff that I freestyle. It, it comes across so plainly. I mean, it's insane. I mean, obviously they've tamed a lot of that, um, you know, cause I'll send something and they'll be like, ah, let's try it like this. Like, okay. You know, like a, like a producer would, 
but some of that stuff sticks in there and when you hear it it's just like fucking atlanta thug throw down i mean that seven dust is what i grew up with you know i mean um uh, what was that louder than rocks i believe the loud rocks album i don't know if you remember that it was like a hip-hop oh, yeah. metal uh and seven the, had the, the hard and the heavy or the loud and the heavy uh, was it there was that I one think it, Maybe it was that one. It had like a blue guy in the front and said, yeah. and like System of a Down was on it. And it was basically like doing Wu-Tang songs and like mixing with like Exhibit. And I, I thought it was amazing. So st- I feel like that's really where I pull from is that that genre. You know, there's I, I love electronic, but there's nothing I can really do vocally with electronic music. I mean, nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. But the hip hop definitely uh, holds strong. And I, I noticed it in, in like Mark, for instance, um, Chimera, you know, it, like before he'd go on stage, he'd always have in his head like some hip hop song. And I think that's why we connected so close is because that's exactly what I do. You know, I just pull from that influence, but different, different rap. But also at the same time, he'd be pulling from all my influences because outcast is a is a huge one on a lot of people so you know like, what are you listening to he's like oh i'm listening to at aliens i'm like what that's my album bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's uh atlanta is just like it, it is one of my favorite places to go uh we usually go at at least once a year the last like four or five years um to the point where everyone's just like why don't you move there and i'm like i'm trying like today like i just i right before this literally walk my dog with my wife and it's like 30 or 20 degrees winds whipping and it's cold as shit and i'm just like man like Wait, where, and I, where are you grand rapids michigan oh yeah yeah yeah. sorry you already said that my bad <laughs> yeah, but it's like one of those things like where i'm like oh if i was in atlanta i probably and i have it on my weather app where i'll just like look at it and be like it's like 20 30 degrees warmer like it'd be so much nicer <laughs> yeah you get that lake effect shit man oh, and uh I know, like Cleveland used to be a nightmare. I mean, absolute nightmare how cold it would be. And you'd go like, you know, 30 minutes to the west and or east and you wouldn't have that lake effect. And like you'd fly in and you could almost see like a circle of where the snow just blows in or, you know, the, the lake actually blows away the snow. Fuck, no thanks, brother. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, I just, I, I, I always constantly talk to you uh, about just, you know, in my time of going there, it's one of the more, and I guess you could probably speak to it more actually being, a, you know, native to there, but it just, it feels progressive in a way that I can't really articulate, but I feel like it's just so welcoming. Yeah. And like, it's one of the more, and you know, Southern hospitality being, you know, a real fucking thing when I'm there. But like, I think that's the thing that always just, you know, it's so fascinating when I go there. It's it's culturally, it's just so interesting. Like there's just so many people of all kinds there. And like, seemingly there's no fucking issues with anybody. I've never seen fights there in any of the <laughs> going to shows, going to bars where people are like yeah, fucking yeah. fall down drunk. And I know that's like small sample size of everything, but it's like the fact that I've gone and like this last time we went for about a week and like, typically we're there for a good four or five days and hang out in the same areas, usually like East Atlanta, little five points area, but it's like just the vibe there. And everyone I've talked to, like, you know, a tattoo artist over at Southern star that we go to Maddie, um, you know, he's from new Orleans. And so like he was, I've been asking him like every time I'm like, Oh, you know, how did you like coming here at first? Is it, is it as cool as it seems? He's like, yeah, I didn't think anything would, you know, beat Nola for me, but like, yeah, it is pretty fucking cool here. It's got its own vibe and it's, it's its own thing. And I, 
yeah, I just can't put my fucking finger on it. Like until you go and experience it, I just don't understand. Like, I just, I don't think anyone understands really the vibe of, and how awesome Atlanta is until you go. It's the, you know, a lot of it is the atmosphere. Um, I mean, it's very similar to Michigan, as you know, it's just, it's less cold. I mean, it's like it, sometimes when you, when I'm in Michigan, I feel like I'm in Atlanta, like the trees, obviously the roads I think are a little different. Um, but for the most part, there are parts of Michigan where I do feel like I'm in Atlanta, you know, that like fall season is amazing in Atlanta, nothing like a Saturday morning and a summer day in Atlanta. Um, I mean, I'm Fort Lauderdale born and raised, so I came here and I was like, oh, this is way better. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't <laughs> rain at like three o'clock every day. Yeah. So I never looked back, you know, once I got here. So how long have you, how long have you been in Atlanta? I mean, half my life now I've lived okay. here the same amount of time I lived in, uh, Florida, actually a little bit more like 21 years I've lived here now. Okay. Um, so long fucking time, man. Long it's- time. Almost proves a point I made to a friend of mine that I made down there the first time we went. Uh, he worked at Hattie B's and we saw him wearing his shirt and we're like, is that place really as good as everyone fucking says it is? And he yeah. was like, yeah, if you come tomorrow, I'll hook it up. And he did. But it was funny because I've realized that the last time we went uh, a couple of months ago, I was like, I realized you're like legitimately from here because like you have the draw, the accent and all that kind of stuff. And I realized I don't hear that as much as I thought I would if I was paying attention. It's a lot of transplants now that I really think about it. And it was the last time I went was the first time I kind of realized that. So it is kind of funny, like in my travels across the world, kind of realizing that there's not many places that have like people who are like, I've lived in like, I will never leave here. I've always lived here. And this is like where I'm from. Like, I don't feel like there's a whole lot of that anymore. No, I mean, that's more of the the old heads, you know, the. <laughs> The the really uh, the really ingrained rednecks, you know. I mean, that, <laughs> when, no, I mean it's true, dude. When you have that, like, you can tell when somebody's from here. You know, it's definitely in their accent, one hundred percent. You know, like, hey man, you fucking, I'll tell you what, brother. You know, you down here, and like, you know, like, oh yeah, like, this guy's probably from here. <laughs> Me, I don't sound like that. I do pick up words, you know, here and there. Like, I like y'all because it's easier to say than everybody or you all. It's just it it becomes so much easier, and I, you know, as we get older and our attention span seemed to to wane a little bit i find that uh we all are trying to shorten words here and there so <laughs> you know a, a y'all here and there ain't that bad but i mean it, yeah I, uh there are some people obviously that are from here but you, you can definitely tell the difference between a transplant versus born and raised you know yeah it was it was wild to go there oh, i feel like i think we were there like uh, seemingly a week or two after like the BLM protests and all that stuff happened, you know, oh, man, that shit was crazy. It was wild. Like we tried to go to the Ferris wheel. Cause we, that's one of the few touristy things we haven't done. Um, but it was crazy to see the like millennium park all boarded up. And, uh, what was it? CNN building. That's right there too. Like just, and then having like this guy be like the Ferris wheels down right now, but, by the way, and then was like telling us like all the shit that happened and you know all this kind of stuff, and it was just like wow, that's it's crazy. Like that was the first time I kind of really felt. It feels so stupid to say it like this, but it's like because of what, or maybe I'm calling it the wrong thing, but basically where the Olympic Park is, um, yep. down there. That yeah, you know, Iron. What was that? That's well, Lucky Street. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know. But yeah. Remembering when the bomb went off during the '96 Olympics. And to just kind of see something else kind of on, on a bigger tragic scale causing like the destruction and sh- so forth in that area, it just kind of like hit me in a weird way. Like where I'm like, man, I've not really 
in my travels anywhere kind of experienced something like that. Like, and it was kind of just really weird to kind of take it in and kind of feel this uh, like ambiance of just like pain and, and suffering kind of, and I can't really describe it, but like, I think obviously no, no. like, you're, you're right. No, no. Like, yeah. it was, it, I think it was more crazy to see, you know, like them, you know, sending the national guard and shit to the town and, you know, people were just like randomly shooting in the streets. I mean, there was a time during that whole episode that, um, I don't know, man. I, I kind of feared for it all. I, I just didn't, I, I didn't really know where we were going to go as a city. I mean, my buddy used to live in the heart of Atlanta. Um, and he just got out. He's like, I just can't take it anymore. The shit that was going on down there. I mean, even just recently, just it's, it's a different vibe <clears throat> because of all of that. Um, just crazy protests and crazy parades and, I don't know. I mean, they tried to gentrify it, you know, and a lot of that's happened like East Ponce market. And, you know, a lot of that, that area has kind of turned into that, like Soto Sopa from South Park. I don't know if you've ever seen that episode with the bombs and the change. Yeah. But I I mean, it it was very scary to see, but I feel like it's somewhat now back to, to a little bit normal, but it it was, man, it was, it was upsetting uh, to see, you know, the, the police cars burned and all that. And they just let it happen. They were like, fuck it, just burn them. Let it happen. Like, what is going on here? Yeah, we had a little, a little bit of that, and it was very. It's one of the first times, really, I think, in my life, you know, in my thirty-seven years of being alive, where I just this, you know, and I don't really get too political on the show at all because it's obviously a dividing point. But it was one of those things where, in the last, you know, the last presidency, where it's just like, I just don't think you could idly stand by, I guess, on either side. But like, you know, to see the protests that we had happened and then the riots that ensued where they were literally burning cars and they were destroying and all that to then hours later, go back and then kind of see those in our community trying to clean it up. And like, there's, they've done a pretty good job, but there's still a spot in downtown where you like, where you can see a little bit of where a car was still burned. Like, and I'm like, that's from when that car, these three cars were burned in a row. But like, if you didn't know that you wouldn't know that, but it's one of those where it's like, there's just little reminders, but it's, it was crazy to see how oddly the community kind of came back together. And it was something that kind of bonded everybody, regardless of race or gender, any of that kind of stuff. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like somehow it went chaos, but then everyone realized it was like, Hey man, we've been through a bunch of shit together. So, um, you know, here we are. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, uh, that was, that was something that was interesting to me. was just kind of seeing, and feeling that the one of the last times I went to Atlanta and then even, you know, like, I mean, obviously being a big Braves fan, it was, it was great to see the city rally behind them. But you know, what was even more kind of started it for me was going to one of the Hawks playoff games uh, earlier that year. And it was so funny because they were playing New York uh, when the, one of the, the series I went to, and we were like way up in the fucking nosebleeds. And it was funny. Cause I was like, there's something a little bit extra special when you go to a game in Atlanta too. Cause like everyone shows out when they go to a game, like mm-hmm. all the jewelry, they look good. Their outfits look good, but I also love the, again, the camaraderie. Like I remember someone, some Nick fan was starting some shit and then they kicked him out and the whole section around us just started chin ATL ho ATL ho and just yelling it at him. And I was like, that's what's up. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I don't know the, the whole world series thing was, was pretty amazing. I'm not going to lie. It, it like, it, it got me started again. Like, you know, I, I watched last year and I remember when the Dodgers whooped their ass and, 
you know, I, I fucking hated it so much to see. Um, but this year was just insane. I mean, like the like everybody, you'd go somewhere and everybody's watching the game, and like everybody's rooting for the same team. It was really, really cool. I mean, I've been here forever. Uh, I've always been a Braves fan because in South Florida. Um, we didn't get the Marlins until 94. No, no, it was like 93, 94. Um, cause they went to the world series in 95 or six and one. I played the Cleveland Indians. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you only had the Braves because of TBS. So that yep. was basically always your team, no matter what. So, and all of those fucking years, <laughs> <laughs> I only saw the win one world series. So dude, they even shut down the city, like all the schools that out early, they're saying we're gonna have a parade. Like, what the fuck? They're doing that a parade. parade the route I saw it oh, wasn't just like a normal yeah. parade. It was like we're having a parade. We're going all the way, like almost exceeding, extremely going out of the way to hit all these areas, and then had this like it seemed like a concert of sorts with like Big Boy and Ludacris and Little John, yeah. and like everyone fucking showed up. And I was like, again, like it seems like that's the vibe that I just love about certain cities, especially like tough sports cities. It seems where it's like we fucking are ride or die for like our, our city, our town. And it's just like, Atlanta, yeah, <laughs> Atlanta is just like one of them. Like, I think, yeah. like, yeah. I, and, I, and it's, I think maybe that's why I kind of love sports as much as I do, or love like the underdog teams or teams like that is because it reminds me of the underground music scene where you want to see a band succeed and you want all the success that they get. Although some oh, hate wait. on it, and it's like, eh. you're in Michigan. Oh, the Lions! Hey, we, hey, they, they won Dude, the I first game. Shit. I watched that shit. <laughs> I cheered. I was like, oh my god! Messaging my buddy because you know he's a he's a huge Lions fan, and I mean, I'm a Dolphins fan, so it's not like I have any shit to talk hey, you at all. First, hey, you, you won your first game on international soil, so it didn't even yeah. count for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, we've won like we've won like five in a row, bro. I mean, it's I been incredible. I, 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 I'm a big I'm a big NFL fan. You know, I I, I, I watch yeah. I watch MLB for a, you know, a little bit, but I, I keep falling out because it's too you know long. the Braves are well, not even that, but the Braves just fucking piss me off, and I just you know I, I have so many jerseys and hats, and like I'm just fucking never wearing any of these again. <laughs> and then they start winning, and you're like, okay, what was I doing last night? Uh, did I wear a hat? No, no. I didn't have a Braves hat on, and then I wore one and they lost, so I got to not wear a Braves hat tonight. <laughs> and then they won. I'm like, bro, <laughs> I try not to get superstitious, but. I was going to say, do you have any other, like, do you have superstitions like that with, like, music performing live? Like, oh, I had a bad show because of X, Y, or Z. <laughs> Um, I blame a lot of that stuff on food or, you know, I don't know, smoking weed or something, you know, the night before I shouldn't have. And, you know, <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. Like I could, I can play, you know, a hundred shows and basically hit a vape pen or, you know, I could hit a vaporizer, anything like that. But the second I take one hit of weed, like an actual smoke, um, vocals are done i mean done for days it's crazy and it doesn't even have to be any time coming up like we could have a day off and on the day off it's like all right i guess i'll just hit it once and then next day i'm like god damn that <laughs> fucked me up so i think i try to prevent really doing anything and then you know my uh my water routine is very weird i can't like swallow water because i jump around a lot and I, I get dehydrated or whatever, and the water just comes right back up. I'm like, ah. So what I've learned to start doing is just like gargling water and like spitting it out. So I can like still keep the throat hydrated, but not have all that fucking water in my like cold water in my stomach. 
I've had shows, man, just like cold water foam. I'm like, oh, why did I drink all this water? But then I know, you know, the next day I have a bad show because, you know, I got overheated and I threw up and, you know, I try to I try to prevent all that. So I think that that's my uh, superstition is <laughs> I never drink water. I heard that it's it's so stupid. It's profound kind of a statement about water a long time ago. And it was water tastes like whatever temperature it is. Yeah, it does. No, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, like like this particular water right here. This water is really, really good when it's cold. If you let it get to room temperature, I sort of taste like gym socks. I, I don't know if it's just me, but <laughs> <laughs> it's only yeah. when it gets warm, though. Only when it gets warm. Well, it's, it's kind of funny because, like, my wife it loves ice. Like, is like if we go to a bar, it'll be like can I get my vodka soda and then a sidecar of ice so I can keep scooping ice into it? Like that's her me. I'm just like room temperature, cold. Don't give a shit. I'll drink it regardless. Like, you know, especially like if you get like certain beers, like, you know, stouts, porter, stuff like that. It's like, I prefer those warm anyway. Yeah. Know, they're supposed to be um, same with like whiskeys and so forth. It's like, if I want to taste what I'm drinking, give it to me at room temperature, no ice, no nothing, no chaser. Just, I want to taste what I'm drinking. <laughs> So it's funny how completely different we are. And, and a lot of times, like when we actually, I think one of the last few times I've gone down to Atlanta, that's not really a thing you guys do. It's just, it's all served like basically in a cold glass, as I call them, as I jokingly call them giraffes, because I heard a lady at a, a tapas place we went to, went to once. She was like, oh, can I get one of those giraffes of water? And I was like, holy shit, did that lady behind me just say a giraffe of water? And then I kind of thought about it, and I was like, all right, I get it. It's got a long neck. like So I could see how dumb like she came up with that, but I was like, oh, man, a giraffe of water. That's so fucking good. I'm what was it? Wait, what was it? It's a carafe. Oh, oh yeah. A car- I was going to say, like, but who a carafe? Like, you know, like a like a vase kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But of water? I mean, I feel yeah. Like, yeah. But so when you get the, like, I know we, like, speaking of the Ponds Market, we went there for a brunch, uh, which was cool, but it felt weird. Um, I have this, like, weird kind of affinity, uh, especially like we went to South Carolina. Um, Maybe it was North Carolina. No, it was it was uh, Charleston. Uh, we ended up going there, and sometimes I get a little weirded out when I can like I feel like places are sort of not degrading like what the place was. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Like so, the Ponce Market just feels weird because it's like this. Obviously, was a, a, a like factory or a warehouse that like probably did a lot of stuff and made a lot of things for the area or, or import export kind of a thing. Yeah. It just kind of feels weird how it's like segregated. And then it's like, Oh, here's like, you know, a small business that's inside of it. And they're selling like, you know, traditional African clothing. And then it's like candy. And then, you know, the brunch place we went to on the top uh, rooftop thing or whatever. And it's like, you know, $20, $30 for breakfast. And you're like, that's kind of a bit excessive. <laughs> um <laughs> But whatever. Just pandering, man. They're just pandering to you, like. <laughs> yeah, but like it was weird because, like, when going to Charleston, we were going, and there was a, it was like a Saturday or Sunday, and they were doing like a farmers market kind of thing. But it happened to be in an old building that was the slave trade building, and I found it kind of disrespectful to me when I was going through it. I'm like, here's like these, you know, blue hairs selling dumb shit like on tables where people were literally being sold and i was like i don't really feel like that should be like what this building is if anything it should be nothing and it should be kind of an educational area where it's like okay this is not to like glorify what we were but it actually kind of like respect the past 
and kind of, of talk course. about things like that. So there's things like that in my travel sometimes where I'm like, oh, are you kind of glorifying like your sort of racist ass past? Or like, what are you doing here in the South? I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand it, man. A lot of that shit irks me too. I mean, I, what? I, I feel like you, you need to respect it, but I feel, you know, obviously this day and age, it's all about making a dollar. So they'll plow anything down and, and fucking stick a restaurant there and, you know, no fucks given. And I don't even know that there's really any further um, motivation to it other than just like, this is a good area. And, you know, it's just the same thing with like knocking down the rainforest. Like, obviously this is going to kill the planet, but they're like, but we need more space. Like, I get it. But why? <laughs> but why? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think, and you know, I've not traveled outside of the U S Canada. I don't feel like counts considering how close I am to it. Um, no. <laughs> but it is one of those count. Where, um, where I just, you know, I, I feel like what little bit of a history we have here in the States, I feel like, like you just kind of said, it gets torn down for something newer and better. And that like, that kind of seems to be the way, like, it's one of the few things like I'm really excited to go travel abroad and go to like, you know, Europe and stuff like that and kind of see places and cultures that value their past and like yeah. actually preserve it. So you can still see and get a feeling of what it used to be. You know, I'm from Delaware originally and that's the only, like, that was the weird thing to me, like growing up out there is we do preserve a lot of, you know, the, the originalness of one being the first colony, you know, there's still areas where the, you know, the, the original brick roads are there. This, the same townhouses still look the same, like, you know, they don't change yeah. them. And so when you go, it feels dated, but it takes you back to a time where you can kind of see where we, we literally came from. And yep. I feel like traveling abroad overseas would probably be more like that. Cause I feel like there would be that same sense of like curating and preserving where we came from as, as people. Well, I, I suggest that you do um, because it's incredible. Um, just seeing the other co cultures, you know, really just opens your eyes. Um, you know, you find a lot of cultures over there are, they're not arrogant about, you know, their nationality. And I think that's one thing that as the last couple of years have really gone on, it's like really made me hate a lot of this American culture because of the way that we portray ourselves. And someone sent me a video the other day of all the people in Walmart randomly stopped and just started fucking doing the singing the national anthem. Like, I mean, I get it. I get being patriotic, but like I showed that to a, a buddy overseas and it's like, we would never fucking do that. I mean, that's, it's like the most cringe thing you could possibly think of. And, at some point, like, who, who are you doing that for? I mean, granted, I love this country. I come back from being overseas and the conveniences, you know, I love just everything about it. But it's some, something about the uh, the pride and um, I don't know, the way the way that we've become, especially in the last couple of years, it like it makes me embarrassed to almost wear a national flag, you know, when I go or American flag, whenever I go anywhere. Um I don't know. It's just, it's been weird, you know, but, but seeing overseas, it really opens your eyes. It really makes you appreciate what you have here. Um, and seeing how other cultures do preserve their past. Some are embarrassed of it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say any names, but some countries are embarrassed <laughs> of their past. Um, but you know, a lot of that getting to experience it is, is absolutely insane to like go there and see. And, you know, I mean, it, although it may not be happy for those people, um, it is quite intense, you know, the, the feeling you get of, you know, like this place was bombed in the war or whatever it may be. I mean, it, they definitely treat their history um, well. But some countries, man, you go to and it still looks like it did from World War II and they haven't rebuilt. And it, some of the buildings are still bombed. 
you know, from from World War II. You're like, whoa, you know what I mean? Maybe we should clean this up. But I mean, I get the other stuff. <laughs> like, keep the thing in the center of town, you know, keep the memorial for the bomb for the guys who flew in the planes. But maybe we demolish this building that looks like it was bombed about 50 years ago. What um, almost makes you wonder, too, like, psychologically, what does that do to a culture, I guess, just to constantly have a visual reminder of like, you know, yeah, my, bad that, times, that, yeah. That, or like, you know, <clears throat> like, you know if you go back further and up with, you know, the generations. Cause you know, I, and I might be misspeaking, but it seems like, you know, they over different cultures overseas are more apt to keep like, you know, family together. So like your grandmother lives with you after a certain point and it, it's all kind of, uh, I always mess it up. I think it's the a nuclear family, no pun intended. Um, no, yeah. The nuclear yeah. family, basically that exact, you know, um, you know, you have kids, you grow up, you move out, you know, that the happy family. And then, yeah, grandma moves in and, you know, yep. you take care of grandma and then just repeat the process over and over again. Yeah, I feel like it would be very weird potentially to have, you know, someone in your your family living situation be like, oh, that was where I used to play. And then this happened, like literally the thing that caused this building to be gone like I lost my friend, I lost my neighbors. Like, you know, I just feel like it would almost be traumatizing to, to have that just be there all, at all times. Like, well, I, I feel like that kind of segues back into what you said before about, you know, why we do it here. And I think that could also have a lot to do with it. Like we are embarrassed of the past that we used to be. Um, and, you know, just replacing that at any cost, you know, I mean, unfortunately, you know, selling the little trinkets and just completely pandering to people, um is not the way to do it but you know i think there is like i said you, you have some areas that are meant to be historic and then you tear the rest down and just start over because although the history is important <clears throat> it also is that like look at what it does to their ancestors and people who used to live here or whatever so i mean i, I guess i can kind of see both sides of the coin for sure. yeah i don't know it, it the first time i really kind of thought about that was actually going to new orleans and going to one of the um going on one of those like graveyard tour things that they do where I'd have to look it up uh, where it was tagged, but it was um, it's one that Nicholas Cage has got his plot in or whatever that pisses everyone off. <laughs> Cause he's obviously not. Of I know different. what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, it was really heavy for me because going in there and, and just kind of, you know, first of all, it was interesting to hear that the reason that you can't just go visit these graveyards your own is because a different, a church of a different denomination bought the church or the, bought the, the cemetery. And so you have to pay that church upon going in to even, yeah, I thought that was interesting in and of itself, but then, so you can only go if you're on one of the guided tours. Secondly, when we went was, uh, this is like right before about a week before Mardi Gras, couple years ago right before the pandemic basically happened um but it was right after that house of blues down there like collapsed oh yeah that's right and yeah right from where i was at kind of in one of the corners <clears throat> just across the street like maybe a block away like you could see the building just still in just complete disarray and i remember one of the overhearing somebody else's tour uh they were like oh and, you know there's still two bodies in there and i was like that's fucked up that i'm standing in this this cemetery somewhere in that is still two people that have yet to be found and like there's no closure and then you know one of our guided one of the guides on ours was talking about how 
the reason they have all these mausoleums is because the city floods a bunch and then, you know, people would go missing. Essentially the bodies would go missing and all this kind of stuff about how there's just, you know, not necessarily closure for families because of, of these kind of weird, um, natural disasters that hit that area so hard, um, just consistently. And so it was just kind of like this, this sense of like displacement, this, and again, like new Orleans, I've only been the one time for a couple of days, but again, like that's just a, a when you're there, you can feel this like energy kind of there. Like I'm slowly kind of starting to, I don't want to say pursue, but maybe entertain the idea of supernatural things. Like I've had a few different things happen to me personally where I'm like, all right, I don't think that that's, that's not clearly somebody that I'm with or whatever that this, this thing happened, but I'm also not going to be like, all right, that's a spirit or that's this, but I'm a little bit more open, I think to exploring that realm and kind of seeing what is or isn't there. And being in New Orleans kind of, I think, kind of was the first time I kind of got more aligned with thinking like, yeah, I think maybe, you know, there's a feeling that some heavy shit has happened here and you can feel it. And maybe there is still spirits or presences or whatever here. And maybe there are people that can communicate with these things. And I don't know, there's just it was like one of the first times kind of really going around and and feeling that there could be more beyond just what we literally see and feel. Oh, dude, I mean, 100 percent like I. uh I just had this conversation with a buddy of mine about, you know, energy and, um, you know, as I've gotten older, you know, I, I was raised uh, Catholic. So I I kind of obviously strayed away from that, you know, as you get older, I guess I'd make my own decisions and, you know, um, but, you know, as far as like, uh, energy and just like attraction, it's just, I don't know. It's crazy how there's definitely something else out there. I mean, obviously we're not alone. I mean, this, this whole craziness that we're we're all on together is pretty insane <laughs> um and i was starting to tell my buddy this and he's like you know from this standpoint you sound crazy i'm like but bro i can't explain how all this stuff has happened to me in my particular life and i saw it all happen before it did you know and it's like i put it out there and um i, I you know i put up a vision board you know i knew what i wanted um, i saw it every day um, and then it literally all came true exactly as I saw it. So at some point, man, there is definitely outer, uh, otherworldly force, forces at work. I don't know what that may be. I don't know if it's some universal power or there actually is some energy that connects us all. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, just like, okay, I'm going to join Doff. I go, I'd love to get signed to Roadrunner. I'm going to be signed when I'm 27. Like one day I'd love to be in a band with Joey. Uh, I was just telling a story to a buddy and he's like, what, what do you mean? And I was like, well, so when we grew up, and the local scene, there was a band called Lilitu. I don't know if you remember them, but they were around Lilitu, L-I-L-I-T-U or something. Um, and the singer of that band actually, uh, I come to find out, you know, a couple years later, had actually been the singer of Scar the Martyr. So he actually yeah. used to be the singer of Lilitu. And, you know, I literally put it out there. I was like, fuck, man, that should be me. Like, I want that to be me. Like, I got to get in a band with Joey. And, you know, it took whatever it was, 10 years, I think, to the date uh, it came through. So I, I don't know why that is, why some random dude from Alpharetta, you know, me, like I get somehow I get chosen to be in his band. But I truly believe you, dude. I mean, I, I, I feel shit all the time. You know, I've, I've lost a couple of really close people to me this year. And um, some some part of me feels like they're actually there. You know, I think that's what we all kind of hope. I, I guess that's how we all grief, but uh, or grieve. Um, but you know, so, some part of me, like things start happening and going in the right direction. And then it's like, 
you know, are, do they have a hand in this? Do they know my better judgment? You know, because this shit just fell out of the sky. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I definitely know what you mean about that, especially being in a situation like that. You know, like you're like in the cemetery with the, <laughs> the spirits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's something that like I don't know. I feel like I've always kind of had those things like where I guess it, it's a sense of deja vu where you're like, I feel like I've done this. Or something. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, it's a lot more like I have very vivid dreams that I remember. And then something very similar will happen. And I'll be like, I dreamed about this like seven months ago. Yes. Like, no. like things like that. And it, no. And it's like, you're, you actually manifest that. So I did, uh, I went to this conference recently. I mean, a lot of this is from that movie, uh, the secret. And it's all about like the law of attraction and all that stuff. And I do randomly find people along my journey who have seen it or know about it. Um, so this new project vented, well, I was talking with the, uh, the guitar player and then I was looking through his Instagram post and he got to play with like George Coloss or I don't remember what the fucking guy's name is, whatever, but it's irrelevant. Um, he was just e- extremely ecstatic that he got to play in this band with this guy. And his first comment was, I believe in the law of attraction and here I am so many years later and I'm with this guy. Um, and you know, he said the same thing to me. I sent a screenshot. I was like, what's this whole message? I'm like, bro, I'm on that level. I know I understand it's fucking insane to me. Um, and I, I and literally everything you, you know, I've seen has manifested, but you have to like seriously, uh, like see it. You have to believe it. You have to like almost be there. Um, and then it's almost impossible to not happen. And then it's not necessarily like, well, everything I dream comes true. It's not right. like that. It's like what you, what you want or what you desire. And he had sent these like, dude, a couple of years ago, I wanted to do a project with you. And I used to watch your, um, your car screams and your videos. And then literally we make this album. And to me, I think it's one of the best albums I've ever been a part of. Like, it's so fucking good. His tone is so good. Um, but yeah, not to detract too much. I, uh, I went to this conference and this guy, Sandy Gennaro, he is the drummer for uh, Cindy Lauper, or he was, and he drummed for all these massive bands, dude. He got to tour with Queen. I mean, he, he played with the Monkees. He played with um, Joan Jett. Um, and so he did this conference and his, his thing was, it was a God power, but whatever it is, I don't, I don't even, I mean, who the fuck knows, <laughs> but that, that was what his conference was about. Um, but it was the same theory and the same concept and idea. And so he tells the story. He's like, yeah, I used to watch the Johnny Carson show when I was a kid. I was like 10 years old. And I saw they did the stump the band. And that was an old skit they did. If you've ever watched it, mm-hmm. where if you could stump the band on a song that they didn't know or couldn't play, you won like tickets to dinner. So he's like, dude, I he, well, he didn't say dude, but he said, yeah. So I went to sleep uh, that night and I had a dream and it felt so fucking real. He's like, I felt like I was there. And I won Stump the Band because I played them one of my songs. And then he like kind of steps back and he fires up the YouTube video. And there he is, like 10 years later, he's on the fucking show. They not only pick his ass, he fucking stumps the band and he wins the fucking tickets. <laughs> so, um, you know, and then it's all about like not missing opportunities. So he says, uh, he's like, dude, I was, I, I was uh, touring with some band <clears throat> and he comes out after the show and the guy's like, Hey man, can you please sign my, you know, please. Hey, uh, say, Sandy, you know, like you're, you're, I, I love your drumming. You know, if you wouldn't mind, just please, please, please. And he's like, I gotta go. I gotta get to the bus. Like, oh man, please. It would mean so much to me if you just, you know, sign this for me and let me get a photo. Like, okay, fine. Let's do it. And so he takes a photo gets the sign. Uh, hey man, you know, like I, I'm, I'm a bass player and I really, I really just, I'm trying to get, get noticed. 
you know, is there any way I could look, look man, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm so busy. I've, I've got to get to the bus. It would just mean the world to me, man. Like I literally look up to you. Um, if you could just at least give it a listen. He's like, all right, look, here's my number. Here's my address. This is obviously back in the day. Uh, send me something. So he sends him something. Um, he checks it out. It's whatever. It doesn't really go anywhere. He tries to like help the guy out and like show it to a couple of people and it doesn't really go anywhere. So I think two years later, he gets a call and this guy's like, Hey man, remember me? It's like, Oh shit. What's up? And he's like, yeah, you know, I, I've got this, this group right now I'm managing. And I just think that you would be the best drummer for the job. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's this up and coming band. And, you know, I just, I think that you would be perfect for it. Nah, man, I, I just, I just don't have time to start another band right now. You know, I'm just so busy. I'm on the road. I'm constantly doing this. I'm doing this. I, I just don't really think I can like, man, if you wouldn't mind, just, just come out, just see what you think, you know, come out. So sure enough, he goes out and it was the audition for being the drummer in Cindy Lauper. So it's like this whole interweaving, like if he wouldn't have fucking given that guy the time of day, he was just like, please sign my thing. So it's really, it's really fucked up, man. I got to say um, how, I guess, you know, we can kind of control our own destiny uh, to some degree, you know? Well, it's funny, like sort of this, the, the wavelength we're on with the conversation it, it's so weird because like I think about so my friend Porter to Detroit you I ran into him when he was playing a show here in GR I it was like the day of my birthday or the day after one or the other but like I was at a like a bar in the mall basically like one of those like TGI Friday kind of things uh, Michigan game was on and some old couple was like somehow like my two friends like started fucking off talking to some girls or whatever. And I'm just like chatting up this, this, this husband wife while we're watching the game. And then they just kept like, they found out it was my birthday. Then they just kept buying me drinks. Then they bought me dinner. Then they just kept buying me more drinks. And they're like, look, our kids are like out of college and like moved out. Da, 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 da. Like, you know, we don't really get to celebrate birthdays with kids anymore or whatever. So like, it's whatever. So I just get like fucking smashed before the show. <laughs> And then I'm walking to go to the venue. Like, uh, I don't know if you ever played the Orbit Room at all, but like it was in that little shopping plaza thing. So it's like the mall and then the venue. And was one of those things like Porter's not hard to miss with his giant ass beard, even back in the day. And especially with it being a ginger. But I saw him and I was like, oh, fuck this Porter. I was like, I should go say, hey, because like I he started posting his uh, photography on MySpace. And so I walked up to him and I was like, Hey man, don't mean to be a bother, but like, I just want to say like, I really like your, your photography. And he was like, Hey, that's, you know, really cool. Thank you. We talked for a couple minutes. I was like, well, I'm going to the show. If you see me, if I somehow get up front, I was like, would it be cool to ask for a set list ahead of time? And he was like, yeah, sure. If you make your way up there, like point at me and I'll, I'll get you one. Yeah. So I did. And I ended up getting one fast forward a couple of years. When I start doing this show, I reached out to him and I was like, hey, because the, the original premise, because I didn't feel confident enough that I could just have people on and talk to them. So it was like, OK, what's my what's my hook It's like, all right, I want to talk to people about their other passion that they're maybe not as well known for. So got him on to talk about photography. We just kind of talked about him living in Edinburgh at the time, meeting his wife, you know, just all this other shit. And then like the rest of that day, like we were texting while I'm like grocery shopping with my wife. And then she's like, who keeps texting you? I was like, Porter. I was like, I don't know. It just feels weird. Like we were becoming friends. Like he remembered me from that show all those years ago. He's like, yeah, I bought a pillow. And I was like, you did. You had a pillow. <laughs> so it was yeah. like kind of weird that he actually legitimately remembered the situation of when we first met. 
And then ever since then, we, we've kind of become friendly, done the podcast a couple of times. And then, you know, the last one we did, we did it on this Twitch thing for like six hours. We were talking about um, just his sense of like meditation and like all this kind of stuff he's done and been doing. And then we were talking a couple of weeks ago because like since I started therapy or going to therapy earlier this last year, this past year, you know, I was like, I feel like I'm more in tune with things being presented to me. And like, sort of like you and I were just talking about dreams. And when dreams happen, you're like, I feel like this is, you know, happened before. The opposite kind of is when things are being presented and you're like, that's too many times in a row for this thing that never has presented itself to just be coming into my life. Yeah. I should maybe see what's here. So it was about, you know, mediums and tarot and, and you know, all this kind of stuff. And then I kind of reached out to him. I was like, the world seems to be pointing me in this direction. I know you kind of have like medium friends and so on and so forth. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of nervous. Like, I, I guess I just don't know what to do with the information. And he was like, well, what did you do when you went to therapy? Like, were you afraid of that? And I go, yeah, because I didn't know what I'd do with the information. He goes, and how do you feel now? I go, it was like the best decision of my life. Like, it's it's given me so many tools to like notice things and, and be more present and then in the moment. And, you know, everything was really good of me going through that process. And he was like, so what would stop you from maybe doing this and, and maybe having the same experiences? And I was like, I, I don't know, I guess just the fear of the unknown, I guess. So then, you know, he was, him and I were talking and he's like, you know, I can put you into touch with these people and it'll unlock this whole other world for you and all this kind of shit. And I was like, man, this feels like lost boys to kind of shit at times. <laughs> but it's one of those where it's like I said, I'm, I'm still kind of working my way of like, how do I feel about it? Cause there's this weird sense of like, I don't want to say like you're dumb, but it becomes this sense of, again, it's just the fear of the unknown, I guess. But it's like, you know, I wasn't raised religious necessarily, but there was little bits and pieces here and there, but there it's almost like smoking weed. Now you can go to a store and just go buy fucking weed. Yeah. But I know like the first time I went to a dispensary in, in Seattle, I felt like I was doing something wrong because it's been so brainwashed into us that this is bad. Taboo. Yeah, absolutely. So I, so I feel the same kind of sense of that when kind of maybe taking a peek into the, the supernatural kind of realm where it's like, this has been so taboo and it's not, we're not supposed to go into these realms or these things that I've just kind of like, I think that's my big hangup is like this weird thing that's been put into me since a childhood basically is what's holding me now. But yeah, no, you know, it's like, it, this is, there's nothing else, you know, this is all there is, you know, anything, um, anything that's unknown or supernatural, you know, you're, you're a quack for believing it. I mean, that's pretty much what you got most of the time. I mean, obviously I like, I'm a big science guy. So I, I always try to think like, well, there's gotta be some other explanation. And, you know, I mean, you could look at it from the standpoint of, all right, excuse me, you put up a vision board. You saw what you wanted. You had a positive attitude about it. So you had your eye on the prize. You knew what you wanted to accomplish and you would stop at nothing to get there and having a good attitude and personality, people want to work with you and it just keeps opening up opportunities. I mean, it's like, there's no, you know, specific magic to it, but then there's that magic side of it where it's like, how the fuck has all this exact <laughs> shit happen exactly as I saw it in yeah. the exact amount of time that I said it would take. Like, I get it. I mean, you know i'm driven okay we get that but but how though <laughs> yeah so yeah I, I think you just have to just you know as we get older i just you know make my own inferences of things and you know i i won't really look past anything i mean i i'm not a big believer in much else you know i don't, I don't like pray or anything so it's not like i'm i'm sitting here praying to to get signed or praying to get to <laughs> it was it was all from my own you know i like i don't know i i, I just can't explain it like i saw it 
I, I literally saw it so clear in front of me that I could feel it. And then here we are, man, talking uh, like uh, 15 years later. So <laughs> it's it's weird, though, like that's the, it's kind of weird that we we're kind of on this this ta- this topic kind of in this tangent, because like, you know, I had reached out to you um, when Joey had passed and, and I don't know. I don't know why. Like, cause I, I don't know, like, this is the first time you and I are speaking. Um, and it was just one of those things, like, like you and, um, Kyle from bad wolves. Like I reached out to both of you. Cause like, I follow you. I've kind of talked with you or interacted with you on your posts, but you know, I had kind of lost friends and family in the last, you know, year or so. And yeah. it was one of those things where like, it's as dumb as it is, like, you know, and I think I, I think I literally said it to you. I was like, I know it doesn't take away anything that you're going through. It's, it's, you know, I'm a stranger. So like, you know, my words don't carry any weight to you, but sometimes just knowing that there's someone there to at least be like, it's, I'm sorry. And, you know, like, I guess there's someone there. Um, no, yeah. That I feel like no, that no. Was, it, it helps. It, it does. No, I mean, it, it uh, it was a crazy time, man. I'm not going to lie. You know, I had spoken to him just a few days before he passed. And, um, he was like my buddy, man. Like when we did that last run, I mean, he didn't leave my side. I mean, everywhere I went, he was there with me. Um, cause I was the only American. So it's like, we, you know, I mean, we, we have that mentality of, you know, being an American, you know, like the things that we want and not understanding the things that they want and vice versa. And like, you know, we were always, anytime we got a hotel, I was his roommate. Anytime we traveled, I was by my side. He was by my side. Anytime we flew, he was next to me. Um, when we flew there, he flew with me. When I flew back, he flew with me. So, I mean, we, we had become like this and, um, I don't know, man, it was, it was just sad to kind of see him go down the road. He did. And, you know, when the news came, obviously I, I, I cried. I mean, I was like, no fucking way. I, it was literally like seven days or whatever it was ago that I had spoken to him. I think I'd spoken to him on the 20th or the 21st and he had died the 27th. You know, I think, I think he had actually been dead about a week is what they said. So mm-hmm. that's why he wasn't responding to my texts. Um, but I was actually trying to get his opinion on vented and I was actually trying to get him to do drums. Um, he helped a lot with the logo. He helped with the name. He helped with the artwork. Um, you know, we were just going back and forth. Like, what do you think? What's your, what's your opinion? Oh, raise the V up a little bit or, you know, put the T down here. And he loved the logo. And, um, and I was really just trying to get an engineer to him to record him doing drums. Um, and then, you know, uh, we had just talked about this insanum stuff. Uh, I think it was the 15th. Uh, I had messaged him a bunch of stuff from Fred saying, Hey man, you know, uh, we got these drums, uh, we need, you know, and we're already working on a new album. He's like, email it to me. You know, he seems so stoked. So it was definitely very sudden. Uh, and that was, that I was very close with that dude in a weird way. Like we would just text each other stupid shit. Um, but you know, it, it was, it was kind of surreal to, to get to know him the way that I did. And, you know, his praise of me gave me a whole new confidence, you know, like the, the positive things he would say about me on stage or he'd like compare me to Corey Taylor and things. And I would just be floored. So, you know, I, again, I, I like, how did I, how did I get there? Right. No, how did I, think, I get here? You know, I think the thing that like really made me kind of gravitate toward messaging you was kind of this unbeknownst to you like this kind of shared trauma in in that someone passing so unexpectedly like you know we were talking about the nfl and being you know fans of football 
it's hard. It's not hard. I laugh about it now, but I remember Adrian Peterson missed the breaking the single season rushing record by like 16 yards or something like 10 years ago. Yeah. And my friend uh, who used to live actually was his room was the room I'm in right now. Um, he texted me. He goes, did you see Adrian Peterson's face when the share, when Pam Oliver, who is the Cheryl, Cheryl Miller oh, of yeah. Cheryl yeah. Miller. Yeah, I know. But his, his text was like when Pam Oliver, who is the, I think is the Cheryl Miller of the NFL asked him that stupid question. And I was like, the fact that you called Pam Oliver, the Cheryl Miller of the NFL just like kills me. And then yeah. like, that was essentially the last text I got. And I felt bad. Cause like literally like two days later, like, you know, news that, news started going that he had passed away and i was like man like i talked about dumb shit with him like but i like years later now i i have the ability to understand like that's what we talked about though we would joke about dumb little things that was our relationship and you know more recently having lost a really close friend who was on a business trip but same thing like we were just texting a couple of days before and i was like oh i fucking hate the algorithms on Facebook and Instagram and shit. Cause if I don't interact with you, you essentially get taken out of my feed. And I was like, I thought maybe you had deleted me or something or unfriended me because I, I stopped seeing your posts. And it wasn't until I actively looked you back up and saw like, no, we're still friends. And then I was like, that's fucking stupid. Like, why am I waiting for social media to put you in contact with me? Like I can fucking text you. Yeah. And then I, I did. And we were talking about how we need to be more uh, in line with, you know, actually keeping the relationship up and when quarantines and shit started happening, you know, we did a FaceTime happy hour or whatever. And then, you know, about a week later, like they found her uh, on a business trip, like in her hotel room. And so like those two instances, I think that you had said, like I was just texting them and you know, that they were not responding to my texts and stuff like that. Like I identified with, with two th people that I had lost and I was like, man, I fucking know how that feels and like how you get in your own head about, I wish the last thing I said was something more important than this, or I wish I would have been able to tell them like, you mean this to me, even though they know. And that's the thing I like, I had you know, to go through therapy and have them tell me and shit like that. But it was just one of those, like that was kind of to me, one of the first times I felt like I kind of was starting to form like a little bit of an actual rapport with you is like, man, I went through some shit too. And, and I felt like no one understood what I went through. And like, so yeah. I was like, I can be that for you. Like that, that, that I didn't have. That's crazy, man. I'm, uh, I'm currently going through some shit with my brother at the moment. And it's very interesting to hear your, uh, perspective on a lot of that because it has been a long, a long journey. So I, I don't know what, you know, what's in his cards, but you know, he's, he's kind of, uh, kind of done with life. And I, I you know, it's like no matter every, and no matter what I say to him, it's like, he, he doesn't want to hear it. It's like, he's just like, I'm tired, you know, I'm done. And I, I don't, I don't really know what to do. And in the end, like he said today, he's like, it's my choice. And I said, I understand that. And, you know, I mean, he tried to say that uh, we're selfish that we want him here, but I'm like, I think it's more selfish that you want to go because, um, you know, no one has to deal with the shit once you go. Other so, than all of us. Yeah, exactly. And I'm literally going through that like today, like, you know, a second ago, he just tried to call me and I just, I don't know, man, I spoke to him for a long time today. It was a really rough day. I'm not going to lie. I, and, um, the family has been kind of in disarray. My mom even flew down there and it's like, I don't, I really don't have an answer other than I feel like I'm kind of lost. You know, I feel like, cause he's my brother, you know, he's, I mean, I have two brothers and two sisters, but he was like my closest and 
I feel like I, I, there's nothing I can say or do that will keep him here. Uh, I just don't, I don't really know how to cope with that. You know, I'll give you the adverse. I I've never said this uh, on the show and I, I might cut it out, but in light of the fact that literally the episode I dropped yesterday, I said that I was going to be more honest and vulnerable. Cause I feel like that's what makes my favorite shows is that you realize that you're not the only one going through shit. Yeah. Um, so I had a brother born the same day, two years apart. I was the oldest. Yeah. Uh, he ended up passing away from uh, SIDS. So sudden infant death syndrome. So there's no real known reason. Of course. Um, in the last couple of years, my parents have found religion all of a sudden. Uh, my dad over a three hour conversation uh, told me that it was because of a suggested YouTube video uh, that he got back on the religion bandwagon. And I thought that was kind of, he took it as a, like almost a divine miracle. I am like, you know, people can sponsor to put ads based on where you live yeah, to put shit into your feed, but okay, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And one of the things he talked about was, you know, I want to be reunited with your brother. And, you know, he wanted me to, to kind of go on this, this path and this journey with my, my parents. And I was like, you know, he's asking me like, do you, do you believe in a God? And do you, you know, all these kinds of the real heavy shit. And I was like, yeah, I, I like, you know, I'm like, I, I don't want to like disappoint him and shit like that. But like the hard part for me and, and I didn't say it to his face and I, I never, and eventually we'll have to have the conversation, but you know, that was one of the catalysts for me going back or going to therapy. And I made the comment, I was like, I don't know how to tell my dad as, as a, an adult to an adult, you found religion because you haven't grieved the loss of your son. Yeah. It's been 34 years or 35 years now, but it's yeah. like, you haven't grieved. And I know religion is a nice band-aid for a lot of people to just fix everything. And the fact that, you know, my wife and I don't want kids, it's like, you know, my therapist brought up potentially your dad's looking at, you know, the end of his life now or the last, you know, yeah. The last of, yeah. yeah. And that basically he has no legacy. Like you're not leaving a child behind his, you know, when you go, that's it for him. So religion potentially gives him that, that resolution of like, I get to be reunited with my kids and, and, and all these things. And, and it kind of is the catch all for everything. And it's weird because that was one of the other examples where I kind of learned that I, I have learned to view my parents as people. I don't know necessarily that they have learned to look at me as a person and not just their kid. Yeah. 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 And I think that's the hard part about, family at times is there's a bond obviously there's all the years you 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 have with these people but at a certain point you also grow grow as people as well and sometimes you as people don't agree with each other and there's only so much you can do in the name of family yeah and right that's that's the 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 shit i'm going through personally where i'm just like it's real fucking hard. Like, I feel like I have compl like the people I grew up knowing are not the people that are my parents now, you know? Oh, no. I mean, you know, they, they grow, you know, and they, they get older and, you know, they have different uh, priorities and different goals, you know, because exactly that we're at like end life years where you only have a few, you know, 20, you know, you're in your last 20 years, you know? So it's like, you try to correct all the wrongs that you may have failed at. Um, and I, you know, I, I kind of noticed that a lot with, uh, my own parents, but you know, I, I, I think you should keep that because I think that's really important to know. I mean, I feel like, uh, there's some reason why we're having this conversation. I told I, you I really that in our, in our DM, I was like, I feel like there's some reason something's putting, making me go, we should talk now. 
versus one I would have asked you years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, dude, it's, it's pretty surreal because I'm literally going through that shit today right now. I mean, that's all, that's pretty much my, what my day has been about. So it's interesting to hear, you know, a perspective on it and just that it came to light when that's such the forefront of my focus at the moment. And, you know, I, um, I don't really have an answer for it. You know, I, I, I can't control what he does. You know, I've sent him many messages just to kind of, you know, let him know that he's loved and, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and, you know, uh, everybody wants you here, you know, and, but it's one of those, it's like, well, I'm, I'm tired, you know, like, well, what do you say to that? I mean, what do you say to somebody who doesn't see the value of, uh, of life, you know, someone who just, uh, is, is kind of tired of where they're at. And I, I don't really know how to express that to them other than it's like, it's not like, I'm like, I know what you mean, man. I mean, I, I've definitely been low myself, but I don't think I've ever been, you know, that low, you know, I always felt like there was a way out somehow, you know, without pills. I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's very deep and very, very emotional. I'm not going to lie. I think it's, it's I think it's the, the, uh, the antithesis that you always hear of, you know, treat everyone, treat everyone with respect and kindness because you don't know what inner problems or bullshit they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And the more I think about that, I, it's so crazy to, to go through that. I mean, you know, just last night, in the last week or so, because like I said, to start everything off, we're going to Buffalo in, on Wednesday morning or Wednesday afternoon. And my wife's like grandmother was like not doing well, like fell and broke her hip a couple about a month ago. And I was like, you know, your great grandmother fell and basically had the same thing happen, broke her hip and then didn't survive. And that was like two or three years ago. And I was like, so it's weird that, you know, here we are again and yeah. all this kind of stuff and i was like it almost seems like it wouldn't be a trip if something didn't happen before and then i mean yeah. like, why is then, that well why does that happen <laughs> i don't know and then why did i go i have the same shit it's like i'm going on a trip and it's like the same here we go i'm like of course i'm going on vacation something's got to be fucking up yeah, and that was always <laughs> made the comment uh saturday or what is today today's tuesday oh today's monday um so on yeah saturday night sunday morning technically you know after a night at the bar we were talking and I was like, look, I was like, if I had to guess, I don't think she's going to make it. And I was like, I hope it's before we go because I don't yeah. really, you know, that's going to suck being even further away from your family and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, so selfishly, I, I hope something good news, bad news, whatever happens in the next couple of days before we go. And then we were out grocery shopping last night because just both felt like slugs sitting at home and got a bunch of junk food. I was like, Oh, people would probably think we're just high as fuck right now. Order just all we got for our groceries is like pizza rolls, pizza crackers, and a bunch of other dumb shit. And I was like, but we're only home for two days. So whatever, eat like shit. And then, uh, she got the phone call. Like as we were checking out and I was like, she passed away. Didn't she? And she was like, yep. I was like, it sucks. So yeah, I was like, I was like, street continues. So (laughs) (laughs) it's something uh, had to happen. Yeah. Yeah, But it's one of those where I, I, you know, for me, like that's, that's the thing is like this, this time of year, like my brother passed away on black Friday uh, when he'd passed away. So it's like this time of year is always just kind of been a shit era area of time. And it's like, you know, I hate to be like the person that's like, like light or what the fuck is that stupid character with the pig pen with the fucking cloud over him at all times. Uh, Linus. Yeah, sure. Him too. Yeah. (laughs) But like either way where it's just like, I guess Eeyore would be the better metaphor, but it's like, Oh, there you go. Yeah. Eeyore. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you don't want to dwell on, on shit like that, but it's just like, sometimes it's like, you know, that was the biggest takeaway for me too, that 
it shouldn't have been as profound as it was, but going through therapy and my like therapist is like, well, what happened with that relationship? And I'm like, oh, that person's dead. And they're like, oh, well, yeah. what about this one? And I'm like, oh, that person's dead. And they're like, yeah. oh, you've dealt with death for a very long time. So you're very aware that like, it's like this life is not going to be forever. And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's so weird when you, when you have someone just tell you so matter of factly, like, Oh, you understand that life is finite. And it's like, well, yeah, doesn't everybody No, they don't No, And that's, and that's the hard part is kind of uh, figuring that out. I was just actually telling someone texting with someone last night and I was like, I don't remember what the thing. Oh, uh, my friend Frank Finelli posted a thing where it's like, oh, you graduate high school. And then they give you like this spirit thing gives you a bike. And he's like, here's your bike for life. He's like, oh, cool. And he's like, and that's the hill you got to start fucking going up now for like the rest of your life. Yeah. And he goes, what happens when he gets to the top? And he goes, death. And then I was like, oh. And his thing was like, oh, I never went to high school. And I was like, so does that mean you didn't get the bike? And he goes, <laughs> yeah. And we laughed about it. And I was like, and he goes, yeah, and I'm going to die anyway when I get up there. I was like, hey, Midsommar. And he goes, he's been yeah. walking it the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, Midsommar. And he was like, oh, man, that movie's so fucked up. And I go, yeah, Damn. the weird thing was, is I watched that opening, spoilers, I watched that opening sequence. And I was like, maybe that's not such a bad way to, to live. Like, know when you're at the top of your game, your faculties and so forth, know when it's going to end. And everyone celebrates you—a celebration of life, basically—and and the legacy you leave behind, and then just be done. That's it. I mean, that's the—I think that's the end goal, man—is just to leave, to leave a legacy behind. You know, I feel like I've at least done some somewhat of that. You know, I—I I don't feel like my job is done. There's so much more work to do, but I do—I uh, do firmly believe that. You know, just at least leave something behind. I mean, my voice is on so much shit now. You know, maybe one day someone will give a fuck about it. <laughs> I think a lot of people do. I uh I feel like there should be something a little bit more <laughs> happier way to 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 kind of wrap this up. Oh yeah, uh, I mean shit, with- we can go we can go wherever you want, man. Like I've been working on all kinds of crazy shit, you know? <laughs> uh, especially metal wise, man. Just some of the most obscure uh, music i get hit up all the time like hey man will you lay some vocals on it and i'm just like fuck it i mean dude whatever I, this one guy recently hit me up he's like dude i've been, been such a fan forever like you know if you feel it just do it you know and if not then whatever and so he sent you know i'm, I'm like listening to him like it's actually not bad so i immediately fucking spit on it and threw it back to him and he's just you know his jaw drops and uh he's like how much should i pay you i'm like bro it's it's whatever, man. I mean, I, I, do, I do some stuff. <laughs> I, I do charge for vocals, but that's if you want like the real deal, you know, um, what I did for him was more just, you know, freestyle and I made it sound good. And, you know, we call it a day. So yeah, I got a, a thousand music projects. I mean, like, I think right now I'm in, I want to say 12 bands. I think that's, <laughs> that's, that's somewhere I'm at, you know, I mean, um, there are potential rumor talks of getting Doth back together. I've actually kind of had a meeting with a couple of the guys. Um, but, you know, we got to see the logistics of all of that. Um, Is that weird to you? Like, I know, I know I, I joked and it made a bunch of headlines, surprisingly. Um, you know, I joked with Doc when he was on a tour here. And I at the end, I was like, oh, so when are we get that God forbid reunion? He goes, man, I don't think anyone gives a fuck about us or gives a shit. And then like every like every site picked up on it. And then everyone's like, no, God forbid reunion. Better than Bad Wolves. Like, fucking make it happen. Yeah. And now it's to the point where I, I think through him doing his own due diligence on his podcast of kind of hashing shit out with everybody that they're at a place where it's like, maybe we do something. I don't know what it looks like, but is it weird that you are a part of a band that I hate? It sounds so shitty to say it like this, but it's like got as far as Doth did 
And then now maybe there would be potential where people are like more like it would be as big as it ever was because people want it now versus it just kind of, I don't know, oversaturating or fizzling out or whatever. But is it weird to be part of that nostalgia that people want so bad now? Um, you know, it, it actually is very weird because a lot of when we toured with Cynic, that was their like 15 year comeback after they took a break and everyone wanted it so bad. So I know what that looks like firsthand. And, you know, a part of me kind of always wanted that, you know, as I saw us kind of go our own way. I don't think we ever like officially broke up. It's just, you know, attitudes and egos. And, you know, we I guess they had been together a long time and we all just got busy doing other shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you know, it's been what, 11 years now. I, I did a video chat, a zoom call with, uh, Kevin and AL and, and Jeremy recently. And it was just really trippy to like talk to them about, you know, future potential to make a record. And it's like thinking of, you know, we're, I mean, even myself has personally come, you know, where I've gone and come since I've been in that band, you know, I mean, after I left them, it was just like nothing but uphill for me. Um, and AL as well. I mean, AL has just, you know, cornered the market in so many things and has these multiple brands and his riff hard podcast and his unstoppable recording machine. And it's just, it's just fucking bananas. Um, to sit there and like actually talk about like potentially doing it and, you know, them looking at me at I for ideas and it's weird kind of, it, it feels weird sitting at the head of the table versus in the past, I was always kind of under the table, you know, cause I, I uh, until, more recently you know when i first joined nobody liked me you know not band wise but uh, fan wise you know um it took a while to kind of overcome that you know bring back the old guy uh mentality which you know it's it's tough to 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 do that when i they didn't want me to sound like him i mean i can but they didn't want me to sound like him so you know a lot of the a lot of the hate and you know internet trolls and everything it was like you know, basically just shit all over me. And then, you know, now you, now you look at it and day of endless light has surpassed any previous doth anything by like hundreds of thousands of anything. So, you know, to me, I, I guess it's, it's kind of, um, validating. Yeah, I, I would say validating. Yeah, absolutely. That whole process was very cathartic as well. You know, it helped me grow and want to be better and, you know, but then you get, you get this insane. I mean, then it's like, this guy only does one vocal style. I'm like, bro, have you listened to the other shit that I did? No. <laughs> have you listened to the other 45 bands I'm in? Like, check this one out. Check this one. Out. I don't say anything, but you know, it's always my thought, you know, uh, but it, it does feel weird being in um, something where people are just like, bring them back. That's all we hear. It's all we hear. I feel like that's that's something I've talked a lot about or asked a lot about on the show is just, you know, how weird it must be to always be so far ahead of what everyone literally is getting to listen to. So, like, you know, obviously, every for the most part, by the time a record comes to us, the fans, and we get it, you probably have had most of those in some capacity probably two years beforehand oh, writing yeah. them on I mean, the road you know yeah. all that stuff and then the however long you had for pretty pro and then recording and then once it gets to a, a label or whatever it's like okay well we want to put this out in quarter four or quarter three where we think you're going to do really good numbers we'll get you on these tours da, 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 da. like you know everything's so planned out so far ahead because it's a business that it just turns into this thing where it's like it must be so weird to as a creative, be excited about the thing you're making currently, but as a professional, you're constantly living in the past. 
Like you're you're never really current with anything, and that that's no, gotta be never. Never. Yeah. I mean, dude, the concealers, when we, when we recorded it, we finished recording it in like the early parts of 08 and it didn't even come out until uh, April of 09. So, I mean, we, it, there was just a lot of logistics with the label and like, you know, me and, you know, they wanted to like pretend that they were actually auditioning people, but it's like, bro, I'm already here recording the album. I don't know what you're <laughs> <laughs> We're already almost done, you know, what the fuck? But yeah, it, it it's surreal because you sit on it for so long and you release it and you're already ready to write the next thing, but you got to, you know, basically play for uh, however long the album cycle is. Yeah. Did something happen with your... Oh, your... Um, hang on one second. My, my phone is actually ringing at the moment. Okay. Um, I do need to take this call here in a second. Um, let well... me... Uh, should probably wrap this. Actually, I do need to take this call. Yeah. Um, well, where uh, can everyone find you or whatever you would like to plug online? Um, I mean, obviously, all of my social media, you know, Sean Z Screams is just about everywhere. Um, you know, I do have that Velocitor shit uh, that I, I, we just released an EP, which I absolutely love. It's totally 90s and completely left field. Um, and then obviously, Vented <laughs> is coming out soon. You know, I, I, there's a uh, once we hang up, I'll send you. I'll send you some tracks. You can kind of hear them. But we're uh, getting drums done. Um, I believe next week or the week after. And Austin is actually going to do the drums. So, oh, okay. Uh, it's it's fucking remarkable. And the samples. I mean, the, just the project is just unbelievable. Uh, and then possible new dot stuff. And we've already written the new Sinsanum. It's just getting the right drummer. I mean, we kind of already have it, but you know, I can't really say anything about that. But right. Uh, yeah, just, just check it all out, you know, just uh, give it all a listen, you know, one of these days, maybe one of those fucking things I do will take off. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for taking the time and uh, more more beyond that, just uh, the openness and willingness to kind of go where we went during this chat. Um, like, I, like I said to you, pref- prefacing, I don't write anything down. This is all just kind of stream of conscious conversation, but uh, definitely got really real and, and raw and serious. And, and uh, I always appreciate when someone goes that route with me and uh, as one of my favorite uh, fellow podcasters uh, talks about, you know, we talk about this in relationships and in life, but really for this medium to be any worth a shit, there has to be a give and take. And before yeah. I would, I would take, 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 take. And now I realize like, I, if I give some more of myself, it, it kind of gives you permission to kind of do the same. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you immediately started talking and hit the nail on the head and just, I opened up. So, you know, I appreciate you, uh, just kind of talking through that. It was really, really good, really helpful. And, you know, um, it was very insightful to just kind of hear what you had to say about it all and how you have previous experience kind of of similar things. So, uh, if anything, it was great therapy for me. So I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you as well. And next time in Atlanta, we'll have to definitely try to hook up and, uh, yeah, of course, man. Yeah, absolutely. Dude. Anytime you want to do another one of these, you let me know, buddy. I'll be there for sure. Enjoy the rest of your night and hopefully uh, things go better from here for you. Yes. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, John. Have a good one. See you, bud. So that was my conversation with Sean Z. Um, again, just really want to take the time to, to thank him, uh, a for literally the time he took uh, with me to talk with me, uh, and, and B more importantly, um, to just open up like that, uh, toward the end, it was something where 
sometimes when I have, and, and a lot of times it happens now, when I have conversations with, with the people that I have on the show, I just really walk away feeling very energized and, and, and kind of motivated. Um, you know, like this, this almost has kind of become this weird sort of space to just kind of get some shit off your chest and kind of talk about things maybe that you're a little bit hesitant to. Um, and it just, it, I love it. I love the fact that this is kind of becoming that it's kind of what I always wanted it to be. Um, but it just took it took five years uh, to get here, and it took a lot of personal growth, I guess, and just kind of knowing who I am and, and being more uh, understanding that it's okay to kind of talk about some of these things and to, to have it be something more than just surface-level things. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely, when, when like I said in the intro, when, when we were done... Uh, Sean and I just kind of talked for a couple more minutes afterward. And then, like I said, I sent him a message and it's just been like, man, like that, that was real. We tapped into some real shit. And that's, that's kind of a thing. Like where it's crazy that two essential strangers can, can kind of do that. Um, you know, like he, he kind of made the comment when I was like, Hey man, if you want, I can cut, I can cut any of that out if you would like. And he was like, no, like, this is what it is. I guess, I guess I needed to talk to it, talk about it. And I needed to talk to someone about it. And, you know, thank you for, for doing that. And, you know, I kind of said the same thing. I was like, vice versa. I didn't know I was going to tell you <laughs> the shit I've been going through, but I feel like if you're opening up to me, then, you know, I, I feel like it kind of creates this space to where we can just do that and be that for each other. Um, this kind of safe space to, to kind of talk about life shit that we're all experiencing. I think that's the hard thing, you know, like I'm literally recording this, uh, on new year's day, new year's Eve, technically, I guess, um, new year's Eve. And it's weird cause you're not going to hear this until the new year has started. So there's all this optimism around this time of year of, uh, bad things, you know, it's coming to an end and, and a fresh start and, and all these kind of things. And like I said, you know, it, the death of a friend is, is so weird, especially, I mean, it's not, it's never not weird. It's never a good time to have someone pass, but it's always even more so when it's either the beginning or the end of a year, because there just kind of seems to be a little bit more, uh, reflection, um, where you're like, Oh man, like it's the end of this year. And you know, you're going into a new year and you, you, you I don't know. It's, it's almost like this weird space, uh, you know, the end of the year and the new year where you're like, Oh, this year, like you would look back and you're like, well, this year was fucking garbage because of X, Y, or Z, or actually this year was pretty good because these things happen and you're doing a lot of reflection and you're, you're looking forward to the new year and the, the clean slate of the, the magnitude of what if, what, what is possible? Uh, because you have a whole year ahead of you and for the most part, no one really knows what's going to happen. Um, and I think for me, it's just one of those things where uh, this the passing of my friend kind of brings a, a weird reflection and looking forward, um, but not in such necessarily an optimistic view. I think the thing like now I'm thinking of is, you know, the children he leaves behind. Uh, one of the first kid of his, uh, his mother had passed away many years ago. So now I'm sitting there thinking about like, man, you know, his, his kid is early twenties and now has no parents and, and thinking about what that would be like. And, you know, family structure, uh, how do you, how do you as a 20 something kind of figure out 
and navigate a life now where you have no familial bond with your your the people that brought you into the world and you're now traversing it alone um i don't know it's kind of one of those things like i said where it's just it's an odd time of year um to be thinking about it and i'm kind of thinking about the beginning of the year for me with with guests that i want to have and and things i want to do and life things and and all that and it's just a very interesting time uh, right now for me Literally, <laughs> New Year's Eve, uh, as I'm doing this and, and prepping to go work at the bar as well. Um, it has been it's been a wild, wild year. Uh, one that I think has seen me grow an awful lot. Um, and I hope that growth continues into this new year as, as you're listening to this now. But, um, yeah. I think it's time to start wrapping up this episode. I, I didn't necessarily mean to make it so doomy and gloomy again for the second week in a row, but um, like I said, I want to start being more transparent and honest with with the listeners um, and because I, I feel like that's important. That's what makes me love the shows that I love, uh, that I listen to week in and week out, is getting to know the person that I'm listening to and know more about them. So all that said... Um, if you would like to keep up with Sean, you can find him on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Z screams. Uh, he does have a Facebook as well. Uh, if you would like to find him there, um, so many new projects, uh, in the, in the works for him. He sent me the new vented stuff, uh, recently and gotta say, I really enjoyed it. I don't even think I told him this. I meant to, and I don't think I sent him the message saying this, but, uh, there was one song in particular and the vocal hook on it is just so, so catchy. Um, I kind of I played the track like probably a good five or six times after I heard it because I was just so uh, really in love with the the payoff of this big hook uh, coming out of nowhere at the time. A um, lot of great music on it. I think it's a little bit something different from Sean uh, while still being rooted in something that you would expect from him. Uh, but I'm very much looking forward to seeing what's um, what comes from vented what comes from it looks like new death is on the horizon um i believe there's some other projects abound like sean said he's probably got like a hundred projects going at any given point so um very much looking forward to seeing what he does it is one of the most hard-working men in in fucking metal even if it's not necessarily shit that you see it's it's still inspiring to see someone just love and have a passion for creating um so very much looking forward to uh chatting with sean again down the road for the show um i don't know when that'll be or what we'll discuss but i know it'll be a great chat regardless and uh definitely one where i'm glad uh we finally linked up and were able to make a show happen um i definitely consider sean a, a good friend now um so uh, and everything else, uh, if you'd like to keep up with this show, simple enough, just go to brucepeakpod.com. That is the landing page for everything. It has all the links to our shows, YouTube links, Patreon links, everything that you could possibly want. Um, so at that point, that is all I'm going to do. I'm going to get out of here, and we will see you all next week where our guest is Brian Fair of Overcast, of Shadows Fall. That was also a really great conversation, and I can't wait for you all to hear it. Happy New Year, happy holidays, and I will see you all then.